Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Nonprofit View, a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leonard, your host. I'm a consultant to nonprofits and I specialize in community and organizational development. I help them make a stronger impact to their clients and communities, and you can find Nonprofit U on Facebook and Twitter. I encourage you to comment early and often using the hashtags Nonprofit U, Door of Hope, or Transforming Lives. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Nonprofit U. The chat room is open, and you can post comments and questions. In order to use the chat room, you must open a listener-only account, and you'll find a link to open the account on the episode page. You can also email me questions at consulting at valeriefleonard.com or send messages through Facebook and Twitter. You can find a Nonprofit U fan page on Facebook, and the Twitter account is at Nonprofit U. We'll be taking questions by phone and from our chat room at about the half-hour mark. The call-in number is 347-884-8121, and feel free to post comments on our Nonprofit U page as well. You will need to like already in order to post comments. Today's episode is The Transformative Power of Hope. We'll discuss the work of the Door of Hope Rescue Mission, the impact of discipleship on the lives of the residents, and surrounding communities and the ways that Door of Hope is increasing their organizational capacity. Again, we encourage you to call in with questions and to participate in live chat at about the half-hour mark. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Nonprofit professionals and community stakeholders are especially encouraged to call in and share your stories. Our guest for today is David Pendleton. He's the executive director of the Door of Hope Rescue Mission on Chicago's South Side. So, David, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on Nonprofit U today. It's indeed an honor to have you. Before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to work with the Door of Hope Rescue Mission? Sure. Thank you for having me, Valerie. It's a pleasure to be back. Um, I had been a member of the uh, Oakdale Covenant Church, of which the chairman, the former chairman, Harry Thomas, was also a member. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, being a advert uh, Bible student and uh, Sunday school leader, co-chair of men's ministry, had developed a passion for it. Um, I myself have a background in banking, and consulting, and uh, while a member of Oakdale, uh, the chairman gave a brief description of Door of Hope Rescue Mission. He had been totally ignorant to the, the environment, uh, but I was intrigued. So I got this contact mm-hmm. information, and I called, and God touched my heart, and I thought, oh, so, you know, Lord has put it on my heart to make myself available for whatever it is you need. And uh, that has stuck with me ever since. I became a board member soon afterwards. And in these 12 mm-hmm. years, have seen the seen, uh, Door of Hope transition into what it is today. Oh, wow. 
you so much, David, for that. And along those lines, can you tell us a little bit more about the mission and how the organization started and evolved over time? Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting story. It was formed in November 1954 by the Pacific Garden Mission as a plant. And we, at the time, we were on 46th and State, uh, two locations on that very block. One, the first one was next to a nightclub called Bucket of Blood. And uh, uh, that place burned <laughs> down, and of course, took with it. And we wound up relocating across the street for a short time. And then the current building we have, Pacific Garden Mission, purchased. Uh, storefront, and we've been there mm-hmm. since 75. Uh, as times change, the needs change because uh, uh, the former Skid Row West Madison and downtown and the homeless climate, it required a different response from Mercy Missions to garner most of the mm-hmm. cheap hotels that enabled and fostered that type of climate, especially for transients or, or substance abusers even uh, that were functional. Mm-hmm. So today, you know, with loss on a lot of good hearts, it's a shift as to why people are homeless or transforming even and mm-hmm. uh, what they can do to positively impact that environment. I don't know if, if that's what's being taught anywhere, but missions groups, churches, villages are typically stocked with older men and women, people who have carried for years since the 60s and 70s, and uh, there's no succession. So wow. uh, same thing's happening here at Door of Hope. You know, the board was in their mm-hmm. 70s and 80s, and here I am, a young pup at 50. So, you know, uh, well, I was <laughs> 47. But, but still, you know, I mean, the closest person to my age was in their 60s. Um, wow. Yeah, so we, we we needed to change. We were aging, we weren't shifting or transforming ourselves, and the mission reflected us. So our evolution had to be more discipleship-based, community-driven, especially since we were no longer on the PGM umbrella. Uh, we needed a program to serve those we knew with a clear message and conscience. Okay, so you guys are a spinoff from the Pacific Garden Mission, and you're now independently run. Is that is that correct? I just want to clarify. Okay. Yeah, we were a church plant. We were a mission plant by PGM. Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. you joined the board in 2005, as I understand. And about right. five years later, you became their executive director. And, you know, one of the things that you noted when you came aboard that organization was that it was overstaffed, the programs didn't always match the needs of the residents. And, you know, I'm trying to get a sense for what were some of the first things you did to begin to transition the organization to where it is now? Well, young eyes <laughs> young, young eyes and, and, and hearts, um, <laughs> Beat a little differently, and the organization mm-hmm. had aged and gotten out of touch with the men we served. With me being closer to the men's age, I felt more passionate for a more direct Christian development as our primary focus. Mm-hmm. So a review of all parties involved directly with our residents as well uh, as better requirements for our residents prompted the need for our board to examine itself and make necessary changes, and we've done that twice. But also the appearance of the building. Uh, the building was silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was it was filthy. It was Berman ridden. Uh, we had a tree next door that we called the uh, uh, <laughs> I forget what the, the branch, uh, but it, what the food, the burning bush because that's where everybody got <laughs> high and uh, menaced the community. Our alderman did not like us. Dorothy Tillman didn't like us. Pat Dow had to learn to love us. 
Thank God she did. <laughs> and that was part of my yeah, transition. Yeah. Um, you know, we had the right intention, but we didn't have the tools. We didn't have the soldiers. And when you got 80 people in a building this small, a lot of unchecked substance abuse, violence, long-term occupancy, we needed to get a firmer handle on what we were doing. And a lot of people mm-hmm. felt they were entitled to be here, still do. Uh, saw this as their home for decades even. And I couldn't find the precedent for that, especially biblical, since we're a faith-based organization. What's sad is that most of the visiting ministries expected a crowd of 80 people. And they weren't focused wow. on the results and the lives of the men so much as, um, you, know, you know, seeing that this is where the training of their missionaries and ministry ministers would have been helpful. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you, you can't expect a, a uh, altar call every month to be no less than 5 or 10% of the people that are here. You don't get that at your home church. And, but you have right. the people who would get moved every other week. And I just felt that was a mockery of God. And then we couldn't continue mm-hmm. with that. Oh, my goodness. You, you know what? I want to say, first of all, thank you so much for your transparency. You know, all too often when we speak before our peers, you know, especially when we're sharing lessons learned, we don't like to share our challenges. And, you know, I really, really appreciate, you know, your transparency. Thank you. Yeah, okay. you know, there was one more thing I wanted to add. You know, in dealing with mm-hmm. we're in the middle of a bedroom community. There are three flats and really nicely well-kept gray stones on this block and behind us. And we have to be civically conscious. We have to blend in with our community. Uh, we, we could not stand out. We had to blend in because public safety is part of the ministry. So we, we definitely had to change that. Mm-hmm. And you guys have done an awesome job, I might add. Thank you. Okay. I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to Nonprofit You, and we're speaking with David Pendleton. David is the executive director for the Door of Hope on Chicago's South Side. We will take questions from our listening audience as well as our chat room at about the 30-minute mark. The call-in number is 347-884-8121, and you can also feel free to leave um, any comments that you'd like on our Facebook page. In order to make a comment on a Facebook page, obviously you have to like us. David, uh, just in general, you know, you, you've been there quite a while and you've seen a lot of things. What would you say are some of the greatest issues impacting men in transition? And have these issues actually changed over time or are they really the same problems different day? Well, I, I would think the greatest uh, issue impacting men in transition is identity. And most have not come mm-hmm. to acknowledge their value of God, man, society, and effectively apply what they know, what they've learned, even what they should repent. Um, another mm-hmm. chief antagonist is unemployment and underemployment. Most temporary agencies send poor people far away from their community at their mm-hmm. expense to travel hustlers. You know, they have these travel hustlers that charge you like 50 and 60 bucks a week take you to the suburban locations on top of public transportation costs, throw them in normal work expenses such as clothing, shoes, um, goggles, gloves, um, lunch. Mm-hmm. You know, there's definitely going to be a lot more of the month left at the end of the money. 
And it's a vicious yeah. and cycle, which is really depressing for anybody. I don't care where your address is, where you lay your head. You know, if you are paying basically everybody else but you, there's a problem. And it's almost <laughs> impossible to pay rent and have any meaningful, meaningful resemblance of quality of life, you know, under those circumstances. Mm-hmm. You can all, we actually, we could use some, some expert input specific to these needs uh, and not leading to the same hole because, uh, you know, most of the time it, it it takes us, you know, it's just a, a round robin of the same error. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and does that end? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, wait, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I'm just yeah, trying to figure out, you know. Yeah, I was, yeah, my first question was what were some of the greatest issues that impact men in transition? And then my follow-up is, you know, what are some of the lessons that you've learned over time? Um, over time, <laughs> God, there's been a lot of them. Um, yes, yes, yes. The biggest lesson I learned is to be patient with patience. It mm-hmm. doesn't have an expiration date. Uh, I, I think wow. that's the greatest one. Uh, people need to be listened to in, uh, intentionally. Um, and when you learn how to listen to God's people, is because you've learned how to listen to God. If he's not worried, you shouldn't be worried. You know, the, the the main lesson I've also learned in terms of running an organization is be careful who you let in. Uh, oh, yeah. All, every, every smile is not warm. And mm-hmm. you, you have to really, really vet your people well. You have to be transparent with them, as they, and you have to expect transparency from them. They have to have a complete understanding of what's expected. Prayer life. You're, you're, you're dead in the water without it. Uh, your your okay. prayer life should be strong. Your prayer life, uh, not just individually, but corporately. Uh, you know, and if I send a letter out to you, believe me, I'm asking you to pray first and then, of course, include a check. But, you know, we need your prayers. You know, um, and that is what gets us through prayers, and it's a staple in, mm-hmm. even in our program, you know, and uh, – but my you know, uh, lessons learned, um, be kind, mm-hmm. um, be kind, always be kind. Everybody's not going to understand the circumstance uh, as well as you do and you're in the middle of it. So, yeah, that's that's a definite lesson and be kind. Yes, yes, yes. You know, I, I want to go back to the comment you made, and, and I think it's universal. You know, it doesn't just go for tenant selection or client selection in terms of what you said about making sure that you're you're careful about who you bring on your team, who you bring aboard. You know, that is applicable Uh for board development, advisory board development, hiring, you know, fit and culture are, are critical. You know, if you don't have the right mix, you'll never uh, never achieve your goal, or if you do, it'll it'll be very very difficult. So I'm I'm really glad that you reminded us, you know, of that lesson that I, I think is you know critical in all that we do. Yes, it is it's very critical. And it's, you know, otherwise you'll wind up uh, with little fiefdoms within the organization, and everybody's asking who moved their cheese, and mm-hmm. um, that's that. I think that goes on in every organization. But you have to yeah. manage it coming in. If you need a small group to start with, if you're blessed with two or three people to begin with, 
and you get that synergy going, the fourth person comes in and sees order. They see order as the culture. So it is very mm-hmm. hard to break that three-stranded cord. And it's, you know, it's the same in a lot of things that I participate in. I look for where is the order in it, and that's where I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, so speaking of lessons learned, and if you had to share a list of three do's and three don'ts as they relate to managing programs for men in transition, what might that list include? Well, um top of the list would probably dignify and respect anybody in transition. Mm-hmm. They're moving just like you are, hopefully in the same direction, just at different speeds. Men should be treated mm-hmm. as men, not property. Mm-hmm. I see too much and hear too much of people with the them approach, which is really right. impressive. Don't ever consider a person as being transitioned back into society. That's also offensive. You know, mm-hmm. as though this is not part of society. Don't put rescue, rescue missions part of society. It also comes out mm-hmm. in your ministry where your heart is. You know, so apply the same love and diligence to the them as though every act was performed in a mirror and watched by God. Uh, mm-hmm. Always have time to be needed but not abused. Uh, develop mutual understanding about time and time management. Men tend not to seize the day. And, I mean, it's just a fact. We don't. And it's a grave error not to address this, to move forward without a healthy prayer life. You're going to need it more than anything else, as I said earlier. If you, get a, if you can get a man to understand the power and essence of prayer, especially in partnership, mm-hmm. you've done a tremendous work because we, we're mm-hmm. lone rangers. You know, we're, we're either Napoleon solo or Han solo. We just like being solo. And um, <laughs> it doesn't help, you know. So. And you know what, too, um, you know, conversations that you and I have had in passing, you know, in the work that we do, you know, I, I think is really critical, you know, some of the language that we adopt and me being a female or a woman mm-hmm. or a lady, so mm-hmm. to speak, you know, sometimes I have a mm-hmm. tendency, I guess, in my nurturing nature, you know, to look at the younger men as, you know, as boys, I, you know, I'll, I'll use that terminology, you know, affectionately, but you always sure. caution me, Valerie, that's very, very patronizing. You don't, look at young men and call them boys, you know, it doesn't matter how affectionate you are. You you know, that's our problem today. Would you care to expound on that? Yeah, there's never a, a, a uh, I'll say the Bible, we, we remove that from because, you know, everybody doesn't believe what it says. So there's no manual, instruction manual out there on manhood mm-hmm. nor womanhood. So it, it makes it even tougher when it's not acknowledged throughout their formative years, especially seven to ten years old, social skills, so that they take mm-hmm. responsibility for what they see and do, and as they come of age, 12, 13, 14 years old, they're more responsible. So they're not confused about manhood besides the birthday. You're not walking around talking about I'm grown at 18 and you're irresponsible. Mm-hmm. You're not 45 years old talking about I'm a grown man, and you really are not responsible. So, you know, um, I think we all need to be cautious in how we deal with younger people because they need to have that responsible and accountable language spoken into their lives while they're growing mm-hmm. so that by the time they do come to age, it is already known in their heart what it is they need to do. They they take responsibility mm-hmm. for their actions. Not me, it doesn't live in your house. 
Mm-hmm. Not me being, you know, focused. Not me. Who is it? Not me. <laughs> right, right. right. So, okay. So thank you. Yeah, thank none, you. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to Nonprofit You, and we're speaking with David Pendleton. David is the executive director of the Door of Hope. We will take questions for our, from our listening audience and chat room at about the 30-minute mark. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. Okay, so David, you know, what I have noticed, you know, from my work, that some programs tend to depend very heavily on public dollars and maximize the number of clients, but your approach is a little bit different. You have been focusing on maintaining private capitalization as opposed to public funding. And when I talk about public funding, I'm talking about funding from the city, state, and county. And then you are also um, very conscious about the number of people that you allow into your facility. You know, you're not trying to um, just bring in people so you can have the number. Um, You seem to focus more on quality, you know, that's been my observation with your program versus some other programs. I just want to get a sense for what drove these decisions for you early on. Is this something that you started tackling when you first started, or did it take a while for you to, you know, quote-unquote, get it, you know, after you became executive director? Well, you know, the Lord is working on everybody involved, donors, volunteers, residents, board members, me, and he's growing us all up. You know, we're maturing, uh, quite frankly, all of us are. And mm-hmm. what I found in uh, First Thessalonians, uh, you know, it's even on, on a document that I give to men every month, it's God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, the diverse of we were, so that whether we are we're awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another, and build one another up just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Um, mm-hmm. And including that, excuse me, and, and on top of that, I'm, I'm sorry, I read the wrong passage. Um, now, in concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that, indeed, is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. This organization should pretty much run with those who believe in what we do. And not because we're dependent mm-hmm. on it, but because we show that we can redistribute what is given to us. If we have an abundance of clothing, we need to have resources in which to remove these things to other people, to, to transition the clothing, transition extra food. Uh, you know, we have partners who give us plenty of fresh produce and things like that. And what we can't preserve for ourselves, we, I definitely look for partners to give these things to. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty, it's, it's been successful. But we also proselytize here. We we. We, we bring people to Christ and we disciple here. So the federal, state, and, and local governments don't necessarily fund that. You might have a unique HUD project that might qualify, but most mm-hmm. public funds not for what we do 
primarily. Now, they might provide refrigerators and things like that for the kitchen. They might provide uh, some bedding or some things for the dormitory. But, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's staffing specific to something other than that. They, you know, you might get some. But 80, 80% of the money out there is private anyway and foundational. So it, it, it's not that I would see that as uh, something I would seek. Um, anyway, the real money is in mm-hmm. private don't, um, and, and the foundations who have rescue missions in their heart. Uh, and then that lesson should also be taught in the frugality of the resident and the board and how we apply funds. We've, mm-hmm. we've funded a mission, even if it was a small amount, we still donated to missionaries and, and others because we believe mm-hmm. that, you know, you give a lot of prosper you. So everything does not just go to the running and operation of Dorfolk Rescue Mission. You're part of the community, of the Christian community. So when you look at us, we're looking at you as neighbors. So if Valerie Leonard had a house next door, we can't have activities that compromise your purchase of your home, your investment. Mm-hmm. We are partnered with you too. So I can't have guys standing out on the street or who like to do such a thing or the guys who uh, wander through the neighborhood and things like that. We have gained a lot of respect from the neighbors, from the police officers, from the community in general, uh, basically following what I said about, you know, guys who work, mm-hmm. they mind their business, and they have respect of outsiders. I believe God's hand has been on this building ever since that verse was revealed, and, and we just seek to perfect that. Uh, we, we attend the churches in the community and outside of the community, but everybody picks their own church. Uh, mm-hmm. And are and most are active in their churches, uh, and are, are going for worship because somebody told them to. It's not a lot that's demanded and mandated. It's just part of our culture. Mhm. That's great. That's great. Uh, I just want to remind our audience that we will be taking questions in about four minutes. The call-in number is three four seven. Eight eight four eight one two one. Again, that number is three four seven eight eight four eight one two one. And before I ask David the next question, I noticed that there is a caller on the line. His or her number is area code seven seven three six eight two zero one nine five. I'm going to ask David this next question, and then I will call on you and see if you have any questions or any comments that you'd like to add to the conversation. At any rate, whether you have any comments or not, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. It makes our hearts warm when we see that people are, in fact, engaged. So, David, another thing that I noticed that differentiates the Door of Hope Rescue Mission from other transitional housing facilities for men it's the fact that you've decided to focus on discipleship, and I, I know that you touched on that a little bit. You're very intentional in residents that want to make a change in their lives, but what do you find to be some of the pros and cons of this approach? You know, because there are some people who say, you know, you should take whosoever will, let them come, but, you know, there are pros and cons. What, what do you say? Well, whosoever wills let them come under your household is not the same whosoever wills come into the body. Um, okay. As Christians, we need to spend more time care of our own, and I don't think 
that we should, as a rescue mission, remove ourselves from that responsibility. If anything, we need to amplify it. So some of the pros, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a mandate. That's a pro. It's a mandate to make disciples. It's a structure. The residents find agreeable and life-changing. And I know it because I'm held mm-hmm. to the exact same standards that they're held to. So a, a man who's trying to find peaceful transition in his life cannot be a mixture of theologies, philosophies, and lifestyles to a point that is disturbing, which is what we had when we had 80 people in this building. There were constant fights. It was a hostile environment. It didn't work. Now we got mm-hmm. 26, 27 beds. We got 27 men. Uh, you know, there's no violence. Yeah, you're going to have arguments about this or that petty stuff, but everybody is focused on getting their life together, getting their life in a direction that is suitable. Uh, and, the, and, and the pleasure of sound doctrine, the, the pleasure of seeing your life transition makes it worthwhile. You can encourage the next man, and the next man can encourage you. Uh, you, you, you develop mm-hmm. a better relationship with your wife or your, your girlfriend or your, your baby's mother or your mom, your, your, you know, whomever you have relationships with, uh, discipleship should improve how you respond to other people. Uh, another pro, uh, well, another con, I mean, excuse me, a con, I would say it ain't for everybody. And I wish it would mm-hmm. be, I wish it could be, but it's not. It, it creates disheartening discussion even among other believers who want to see 80 people in this building. You know, they, they, they want the throng. They want the crowd. Because when they do their mm-hmm. Sunday service on Wednesday, they feel that that's adequate, and it really does not help. What really helps is to have something that is functional, a true fellowship where you actually come in and the Lord has actually blessed you with a message rather than a canned message of drug abuse and prison, which really doesn't always apply. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's it's, it's just not... Um, what you would see on television. It is a place where mm-hmm. if you wanted to volunteer here, you would go through an interviewing process. There would be a vetting, uh, same as board members or anything like that, because I don't need people to come here and sweep up and clean up and hand plates of food to the men with a sad look on their face. That does not help. What we need are mm-hmm. people who are actively in, in their church and are looking to uh, partner with us in a respect that helps make this move forward, but also there's a return gift in making you a better minister or, or layperson at your church. We can't just mm-hmm. take We have to give something. There has to be a shared experience. Um, right, you know, right. And they've got some people, no, that one of the cons is because, we, because of the dynamic here, people want this false, these code words. They want to come in, you know, I'm coming in because I want to see God because somebody on the street told him to say that, you'll get in. But I have a very extensive interview process where, you know, I, I really want to know where you are. You know, you don't have to con me. Just just, just be honest with me about what you want to do so I can be of service to you. Mm-hmm. So those are my thoughts. Okay, great. Thank you so much. I am going to check out a caller who's online with us. He or she may or may not comment. The phone number is 773 I'm just going to check in and see if this caller would like to make a comment. I hope so. Okay, call, caller, would you like to make a comment or do you have a question? Okay, 
I take it that the caller at 773-682-0195 does not have a question or comment that he or she would like to air. Is that, I can assume that by silence. Okay, and I just wanted to let you know, too, that one of your old pals, JP, is on the line. He is chatting in our chat room. Yeah, JP Polish. Yes, yes, yes. And he sends his regards. He is listening intently. And, JP, I want to thank you so much. You are one of the strongest supporters of this podcast. I really appreciate your promoting it within your networks, on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, word of mouth, you know, it's really, really, really encouraging, and, and I thank you. Okay, so David, um, you talk about wanting to develop a more missional ministry, and I, I think that's really intriguing. You know, when you say this, you talk about being a little bit more inclusive and integrated with the surrounding community, with the focus also on national and international understanding of the spread of the gospel. How are you going about doing this? Well, that's kind of a dream. Um, I I believe there's so much potential for mission work. I I believe that if it's explained properly, if there are examples or somebody's on furlough and they stopped by, I would love to have their story uh, available for others to read to encourage them. I mean, uh, I know we have the marches and everything against the violence and the crime, but there's mission work to be done on the streets of Chicago and every city, mm-hmm. St. Louis, Gary. Every, you know, we need the people of God to be fearless and actually walk out, get on some of these street corners, have prayer circles on these street corners, and show that the will of God is stronger than any uh, demonic influence that we have. I, I, I believe also... Um, that internationally, that there are people who could be of good service. You may not go to the most war-torn mm-hmm. area or whatever, we wouldn't send you there. But I, I think that we as Christians have stopped giving the message. We go to the place to get the message, and that's where it stops, and it's really not healthy mm-hmm. for the body. And, you know, a body will purge itself when something unhealthy inside of it. Um, yes, yes, you know, yes. but. So, so just to go anywhere, uh, I, I have an advisory board that I consult. You know, these men of God, men and women of God, are very, going to be very instrumental in it going anywhere. This is definitely not a, a, a personal enterprise. This is certainly something that would take involvement of a, a good number of people to move forward. But I would like to see that. I would like to see uh, furlough centers for people who do missionary work um, mm-hmm. whatsoever so they have something to come back to a place to um, uh, re-energize and also uh, a familiar place. So if they have slides or, or, or a presentation to make, they've got a, a place to show it. Uh, they can have their captive mm-hmm. audience as well as invitees uh, to show that the work is definitely worthy and, and, and it's something for all of us to consider doing some sort of uh, field work, you know, if it is your gift. Mm-hmm. Not, not to feel as though there's no place for you to go or there's no training available. Okay, so that that's interesting. So if you do mission work, do you necessarily need training, or is it enough to have a willing heart, or do you need a little bit of both? You absolutely need training. 
I, I think most of mm-hmm. us, when we take, a, take something somewhere, we want to take ourselves mm-hmm. with it. And that's a no-no. <laughs> it's like going to somebody's house and picking up the remote control while you're looking in their refrigerator for what, right, for what you're going to eat. Instead oh, of wow. understanding hospitality and the invitation for you to come in, uh, is that don't bring everything wrong with you. So you have to be trained how to reduce yourself, how to decrease and all got to increase. And that mm-hmm. does take training. None of us does that no, uh, naturally. Uh, following <laughs> That's true. Learning the opposite. Being polite about food uh, that's offered. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot, you know, local customs. You know, there's a big mm-hmm. difference between North Longwell and 79th Street. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a difference between 53rd in Indiana and 55th in Indiana. You know, so you, you know how to be watchful, how to be used, you know, because that's your purpose is to be used, not to mm-hmm. use the person with whom you are a missionary to. Excellent point, so, and I thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I can go on. So I, <laughs> I, I know you can. I know you can. You, you've got great experience, and I really appreciate your taking the time to share it with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to. Okay, I want to remind I you. Huh? I actually wish I had had a a couple of residents or, or or some people who actually been here. Next time, if you invite me, I'd like to have maybe two two people from here because we have some outspoken men here uh, who have mm-hmm. genuine love for the Lord. Uh, genuine, uh, they have something to say, you know. And and, and right. I'm the mouthpiece of the Hope Rescue Mission. Some would say. But I think, mm-hmm. by and large, more and more in these passing day, I think the men of the mission have more and more to say, and a lot to say. <laughs> and yeah. and you know what? I I would agree with you, and and I thank you so much for taking the time to invite me to one of your fundraisers. And I definitely mm-hmm. observed that, and you know, listening to the men's testimony, you, you know, you can go some places and see where, you know, people may say something, you know, because they were prompted to, to say something, if that makes sense, to, to give a company line. But what I felt oh, yeah. from listening to the residents, you know, during this fundraiser, is people were speaking from the heart. You know, some of the stories that I heard were so touching, you know, and, and you had folks speaking who are no longer with the program. They've been reunified with his families, and you have people who are going through. And what I found to be interesting, too, is, you know, we have a slip out what a homeless person looks like, what a homeless person, where a homeless person has come from, you know. But you have a very oh, yeah. diverse group in terms of background and circumstances. So, So that was a very eye-opening experience for me, and I thank you for inviting me to, to, you know, to be a part of it. You're welcome, and thank you for, you've given, you've, you've, you've given us a lot of help, too, uh, actually on that last one, help put it, it together. I appreciate what you did, your sign and everything, and, and not, your participation. Not a, not a problem. And, and you know, um, full disclosure, David Pendleton is one of my clients, and, David, what I like about your leadership is your laser focus on doing what works. You know, so 
We recently distributed a survey to your residents, and when we looked at the results, it was very clear that your is having a significant impact on, on people who come through the doors. You know, for example, an overwhelming majority of the residents indicated that the Door of Hope Rescue Mission helps them to better develop their personal goals and objectives, and the ministries actually help them make better decisions concerning their personal lives and employment, and many of your former clients credit you with helping them reunify with their families, gain meaningful employment, and, and just find their purpose in life. And I think that's a very tall order, and it's something I can appreciate, you know, because both my parents were educators in the Chicago public school system, and, you know, just as they feel rewarded, I know I feel a reward every time I see someone who has gone through one of their, you know, that they have taught. You know, my mom was a typing teacher, my dad taught reading, and then he was a principal. So I'm I'm just wondering for you, how does that make you feel, you know, to see that your residents have had such a powerful experience coming through, you know, through that door of hope? Well, um, I, I'd say it's very rewarding, although I'm tired in the work but not of it. Uh, it makes me feel great that, um, uh, you know, the brothers have had an experience that it was a shared experience. There wasn't a lot of mm-hmm. I and me so much as uh, we have. And, uh, and uh, you know, when, when, when they refer to Door of Hope, they're not referring to the organization per se, they're referring to the entire experience as a it's a community collective uh they, I mean uh type of uh, mm-hmm. uh reference. Um the fact that there's respect across the board, uh that there's love across the board, I, I feel I feel great because I feel that this is not the work of man. Uh that this mm-hmm. is definitely the work of a, a loving God that uh uh you know it's acknowledged uh, across the board that that's where uh, everything comes from. And I'm not trying to sound like uh, 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 weird, <laughs> you know, but I, I just think that it's, uh, it, I, I think it's just remarkable and amazing when you can make an account from the work of God right in front of your eyes and how it is definitely uh, nothing but him. So I'm 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 overwhelmed sometimes uh, with with the fact that when God operates in a place, if you're patient enough to sit back and wait for your instructions, you will see Him work miracles. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, you know what? We have um, comments and questions from our chat room, David. Um, I okay. see from. From JP, he says, again, thanks for relaying my greetings. There's a lot of wisdom David can and is giving me. And one question that might be helpful for the audience is, what are some of the more creative and or effective ways that have helped connect funders to to the mission of, you know, of what you do? Well, uh, that is right now. And actually, with a, a your challenge. ministry, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So creative ways. Is is this a funding question or a ministry question? Yeah, okay. So I'm I'm limited to what I'm reading. So basically, what are some of the more creative and or effective ways that have helped connect funders with your ministry? So you know, he clarified the question in the second line. Okay, I'll answer that one. Um, the fundraiser being here, so people can actually see what they're donating to. So they can actually mm-hmm. feel the presence of the ministry uh, going forward in this building. So they can actually touch with their own hands, see with their own eyes, hear with their own voices, experience Dog Hope Rescue Mission's uh, requisite for funding, for donations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and other than that, I, I just need stronger board members who are willing to help in that effort, um, and uh, and 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 a few other things. You know, when you're trying to build uh, capacity uh, for an organization, it is not more than a notion. It's more than a notion. It's very very complicated. Mm-hmm. But once it gets going, it goes pretty good. And two, you know, I might add, you know. One of the ways that I, I think that you've been effective and creative, you're using social media. You know, you have a number of discussion boards with which people can communicate directly and, and have conversations, you know, regarding issues that impact directly your your ministry. And that's probably something you don't think about because you're, you know, always engaged. So you probably don't think of that as, creative or effective, but, you know, people get to see, you know, your heart. They get to see the work that you're doing on some of those social media pages. And and I think that can be very effective. And then JP also says he would totally, totally vote for David's suggestion of not just coming back, but with some of the men from Door of Hope. So apparently two are still on the same page. Oh, yeah. JP is a good man. He's an amazing brother. Yes, yes, yes. And, and I thank you so much, JP, for, again, you know, contributing to the conversation, but most importantly, you know, really, really um, being a, a great supporter of the show. You've been very candid in your comments. You know, you, you helped me to improve, and, and I really, really Thank you for for being there, and we have to have you on again. And again, too, I want to thank J.P. Paulus. J.P. is going to be one of the presenters for a workshop that we're having in connection with the college fair with Character Centenary AME Church on on October 28th, I believe, um, or 29th. I don't have a calendar in front of me, but the last Saturday, in October of 2017, JP, who is a consultant working with organizations and with youth who want to go to college, finding financial aid and, and better understanding how to navigate systems, he will be one of our presenters at our college fair. This will be the last Saturday in September of 2017, and we will go from 10 o'clock until 4 o'clock. And, J.P., I will be in further contact with you so we can get more, um, so we can finalize our arrangements. But I really do want to thank you so much for what I believe is more of a ministry for you in addition to consulting. It's not just consulting for you, but it's definitely a ministry 
making sure that students understand how to navigate the complexities of getting financial aid, understanding how to navigate the transition from high school to college life and all that good stuff. So if you're interested in coming out to the college fair, that will be on the last Saturday in September. I'm sorry, last Saturday in October. Last Saturday in October, it will go from 10 o'clock until 4 o'clock at Character Centenary AME Church on the corner of 15th and Holman in Chicago. So I'm, I'm sorry I digress, but I just had to let people know about JP. So, uh, again, David, you're really excited about Giving Tuesday. And Giving Tuesday is in November. That's the last Tuesday after, or it's the Tuesday after Black Thursday, I'm sorry, after Black Friday. And this year, Giving Tuesday is November 28th. So what are some of the things you're doing to prepare to do a Hope Rescue Mission for Giving Tuesday? Well, pretty much reaching out and preparing former and current uh, prospective donors for the end of the year, uh, as well as consideration in their, their annual budget. Uh, so you mm-hmm. have to reach out. Um, you, you have to get plenty of notice, and you'll have to send uh, plenty of asks to, uh, mm-hmm. to plenty of people so that they do know. And I want to uh, also say that I, I I want to have more opportunities to speak to the general public uh, as much as I can this upcoming fiscal year. Um, you know, people don't really know who we are, and I don't really want to put a big sign out about who we are uh, because that mm-hmm. sometimes creates more problems than, than it does because we're very exclusive. Uh, they find out, you know, I don't, I don't want to be found out, and all of a sudden I've got people walking up wanting a bed, you know, as if that's all we do. You know, we're an overnight shelter, which we're not. So mm-hmm. that could be one of the cons. Giving Tuesday, for me, gives me an opportunity to connect and get people in more information on what we are really doing and getting the friendly donation and getting the friendly activism of people, and maybe even if there's something in our model that will help your ministry or will help you individually, I'd be more than happy to talk with you. I'd be more than happy to share my experiences because it's uh, it's a pleasure speaking on these things. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then, you know, speaking of Giving Tuesday, you know, I, I want people to really, really tune in to Nonprofit You from now until the end of November. You know, a number of our shows are going to focus not only on Giving Tuesday, but some of the things that you can do as an organization to shore up your capacity. You know, because it's one thing to actually solicit funds in a big way, but it's another thing to actually be prepared to manage the funds and um, be prepared for an even bigger um, Giving Tuesday next year, and one of the things we do is to increase capacity. So uh, we're going to, on October 2nd, have the folks on Nonprofit U, the folks who actually started Giving Tuesday, and I'll give. So they will do a teach-in and let people know, you know, what Giving Tuesday is, how it started, and step-by-step step, what are the things they need to be doing and when to prepare for Giving Tuesday and throughout the end of the year. 
We will also have Daniel Ash coming on. Daniel Ash is the Chief Marketing Officer for Chicago Community Trust, and, and Daniel is going to tell us how you tell your story. You know, a, a very important part of fundraising is telling a compelling story, story with heroes. Sometimes you might have an antagonist, a protagonist. You want, And when I say antagonist, that's the enemy, so to speak. And in our world, the enemy is the issues that we face as nonprofits. And then we, the protagonists, the people who are running the organization, what are we doing as heroes in order to come? So Daniel Ash is going to come to us in his own way to talk about that. And then we'll have folks from GuideStar. And GuideStar, as you know, is an, a national database of organizations. Um, they they have a relationship with IRS, with the IRS. So every time you do a 990 or your year-end filing, it, there's a record that goes with GuideStar. And they show you how you can not only use the 990 to um, to comply with the IRS, but also how you can use that 990 to market your services. And then we'll also be doing uh, webinar Wednesdays to get you know get people prepared for Giving Tuesday. So every Wednesday between October 11th and November 22nd, we're going to be doing webinars to show people you know how to engage their board how to make the case for support. We'll even have a 30-day compliance challenge to make sure that when you're doing all of your solicitation, you're not caught with your pants down, so to speak, by not having your paperwork in order. And then we'll be doing a disclosure challenge to show folks how they can actually use the 990 to their advantage. And um, if you're interested in those webinars or you know better understanding you know, what the nonprofit you episodes are going to be about, you can email me at consulting at com. And I'm sorry, David, for taking so much of your time because, you know, we're here to listen to you. But um, I, I just want to thank you so much for actually, you know, coming to me with this idea. You know, you share it with me that, you know, one of the things that, nonprofit leaders really, or some of the things that they really care about are things like board development, fundraising, and compliance. So at your suggestion, you know, I started um, really honing, you know, my skills and, you know, my product offerings to make sure I'm more responsive. So I thank you so much, you know, for your foresight in that area. So I... I have a couple more questions before we go. And okay. um one thing okay, yeah, one thing that I noticed about you is the fact that you're taking a holistic approach to sustainability. So you you're not just saying, Okay, give us money, donate. You're looking at fundraising, you're looking at engaging volunteers and board development. Again, those things that you told me that I really need to address more of in my consulting practice as well as you. So can you share with us some of the strategies you're using to strengthen your organization by the end of the year and even beyond? Well, we just began our fiscal year on September 1st. So we're in 1718 now. 
And <laughs> not seventeen, eighteen, twenty eighteen. <laughs> no, seventeen, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. Oh, oh, oh! I thought you said seventeen, eighteen, as in the year seventeen, eighteen. Okay. No, Never no, mind. no. We just closed. <laughs> but um, the uh, the the year currently uh, it started out a lot more aggressive, and there. Uh, I see a wind of change there. I'm pretty proactive and reactive more than decidedly strategic, by the way. You know, so I need strong board members for me to be strategic because it, it takes – to carry a plan out, take takes more than one or two people, actually more than three. But still, mm-hmm. some good heads, a good heart, and a compelling story has to be broadcast. And, uh, it, you know, strategic-wise, I think the more I speak to people – and give them a feeling of involvement and engagement. I, I think that's taking us in the proper direction because we are community-minded, not just community-based. We're community-minded, and a community of believers, uh, a community of people who have a passion for what we do. Whatever, it, it's great to write a check, and you know I know they'll take care of you and move on about your way. And I, but I also want you to see that you've had an impact. I, I want you to feel as though you didn't just limit whatever you did to money or uh, coats or whatever it is that the Lord put on your heart to donate or time or whatever it is you've done, prayer. I want you to feel uh, as though it has been, it has a, a heavenly treasure attached to it uh, and, and that you have a feeling of, of, of uh, a sense of self-worth added on to because it should dignify all of us in our giving. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay. strategy one mm-hmm. is to it, 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 is to increase the number of people on the board who uh, share this vision and even add more mm-hmm. to it, even a, a greater vision. So we're, mm-hmm. we're we're still in the blocks. Yeah, we're still in the blocks. Okay, so so you're looking for synergy. If you had to describe one or two types that you're looking for for your board, you know, because you want to clearly have a board of diverse skills, people with diverse backgrounds. If you were to describe your A team of a board, you know, for this stage in your development, what would that look like? Five individuals, four of which have a, a reasonable, moderate, or extensive experience in nonprofit, especially one or two with uh, understanding of, of um, the homeless environment as it stands today. Um, mm-hmm. uh, financial mind, uh, you know, even financial mind, you need a legal mind, an organizational mind, your prayer partner, you always need a prayer warrior, a rainmaker, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. a fifth person who is whatever it is, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> you know, the at large person, but, you know, we, we just all work together and, and uh, they don't necessarily stay in our lane, but everybody respects the expertise of each the other. So that we mm-hmm. uh, we know what we can get accomplished in the course of thirty days, six days, whenever our meetings are. That will help us get get a lot done. We, you know, we, we we've got a lot to do, a lot. And I know I also consider the the, the residents here as partners. Uh, they're they're not just sitting mm-hmm. here twiddling their thumbs on the next meal. They are a part of the organizational body as well. They uh, uh, they have nightly meetings and and, and the the, the uh, the, uh, uh, the the mission in itself is of great importance to each man here. Mm-hmm. So they have. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So one last question before we go. Uh, where do you see the Door of Hope in the next five years? Uh, preparing for new leadership. And that'll be my 12th mm-hmm. year, and uh, there always has to be a succession plan in place. Hopefully that person is on the board and learning for the next five like I did. Uh, and then there'll be a shared vision, you know, of those who came on the board, that individual, you know, and right now transform lives today are my concern. I, I guess I'm a little short-sighted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of hard to see beyond <laughs> beyond 3 years, you know, even if that far, yeah. especially in this environment. Yeah. Okay. So, we have come to the end of our show and I'd like to thank David Pendleton, the executive director of the Door of Hope Rescue Mission for being my guest today. David, would you care to share any parting thoughts and tell us how we can reach you? Well, I want to thank everybody who participated in listening. Uh, you know, please continue to pray for us. Uh, get the word out, you know, what we're doing. Um, mm-hmm. If you're looking to volunteer or, or, or uh, get further information, we have a GoFundMe page as well as a Facebook page, Door of Hope Rescue Mission. Uh, you can contact me at door underscore of underscore hope at net, or my name, D-A-V-I-D, T as in Peter, E N, D as in David, L E, T as in Tom, O N, 39 at gmail.com. Or you can call me directly, 773 624 Okay, great. And I also want to remind people who are listening um, that there's a slideshow going, and you can also get David's contact information in case you missed anything. You know, his contact information is on the slideshow. So I want to thank everyone for listening to Nonprofit U blog radio talk show today. The show will be available for download within about an hour. Be sure to join us next week when our guest will be Carlos Luna of Chicago Veterans. Until then, take care. Have a great week. Thank you, David. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. You got to get to us, huh? Oh, I was just saying goodbye. Bye-bye.